Hello and welcome to the latest DAC Beechcroft's Lawcast. My name is Martin Holmes, Partner and Head of Market Strategy for Property in the Claim Solutions Group of DAC Beechcroft. In this episode, Jonathan Bingham, a Partner and Head of our Property Recovery Team, is joined by Andy Drinkwater, a Chartered Civil Engineer, to discuss the causes and prevention of flooding. Well, hello everyone. Welcome to the first podcast in our Property Future series. I'm Jonathan Bingham, a solicitor and a partner at DACB with over 20 years of experience in property damage claims. I head our recoveries group, which is part of our wider property damage team, where our belief is that by working together and developing creative solutions today, we can build a better and more sustainable tomorrow. I trust that you'll find this topic that we're dealing with today informative and helpful in whatever challenges you may face in your business. If there's any further subject areas that you'd like us to cover, I'd love to hear from you. And please do reach out to me with any feedback. You can find all my details on our company website for DAC Beechcroft. The topic for this podcast is flooding causes prevention and recoveries. I'm joined today by my guest, Andy Drinkwater. Andy, many thanks for joining me today for this podcast. Would you like to give us a quick introduction to yourself and explain your background and areas of expertise? Uh, Thanks, Jonathan. Yes, my name's Andy Drinkwater. I'm a chartered civil engineer with something like 45 years experience in the water industry. Um, I work part-time now and I specialise in flooding issues, looking at uh, why places flooded, what actually happened, what the problems were, and what the solutions are. Good stuff. Okay, thanks, Andy. Um, Flooding is one of, if not the biggest risk faced by insurers in the UK today. On the 14th of April, a joint UK insurance and government initiative, Floodree, launched its Build Back Better scheme to help flood victims recoup losses via both resilience and resistance measures. The scheme allows people via participating home insurers to claim reimbursement of up to £10,000 for flood resilience measures, which is on top of the repair work caused by flood damage. According to Floodry, the Build Back Better scheme is a vital step in response to growing climate change related risks and offers practical and innovative solutions to build resilience for homeowners and insurers. Floodry also supports further action, such as the government investing $5.2 billion in flood and coastal defence programmes. Insurers are ever looking to see greener methods of reinstatement in order to pursue a much needed sustainability agenda. And this is something that's particularly relevant at the moment, following a number of storm claims recently, with a hat trick of Dudley, Eunice and Franklin in February 2022. This is the first time that three named storms have been recorded within seven days since the naming system began in 2015. According to the Association of British Insurers, the storms generated 177,000 in claims relating to homes, vehicles and businesses at a cost of almost 500 million. The UK had a similar experience in February 2020 with a triple storm of Kiara, Dennis and George brought immense rainfall and flooding to 1,400 properties. The ABI received over 80,000 claims due to flood and wind damage after Kiara and Dennis alone, and the costs were 368 million. In May 2021, 
the ABI and Flood Re commissioned a study modelling the impact of spending on defence maintenance on flood losses based on new research carried out by JBA Risk Management. This looked at flood defence maintenance and it's worth reading in some detail. Its headlines found that one in five UK households are currently at risk from flooding. For every £1 spent on flood maintenance saved £7 in new defence spending. The current environment agency spend on maintenance, repair and restoration is around £210 to £230 million per year. The study also provided a number of compelling arguments that increasing spending on maintenance of defence systems saves money in the short and long term. Further to that, in November 2021, a Labour MP, Emma Harvey, submitted a private member's bill, the Flooding Prevention and Insurance Bill, seeking to set binding planning requirements to ensure consistency across council areas in the use of pre-commencement conditions that require developers to introduce flood resilience measures. In a speech to the House, Emma explained that the currently the property flood resilience measures required in new build properties are set by local planning authorities in the pre-commencement conditions. This results in adjacent local authorities having different requirements in flood zones with the same rating, which is not only inconsistent but hampers collaboration by allowing local authorities to effectively export their flood-related problems to other areas. Hardy said that this bill will create a level playing field by setting minimum standards nationwide. So it's quite a long introduction for me. It's quite clear that flooding is a multifaceted problem as a consequence of climate change and requires many stakeholders working collectively together in order to reduce our carbon footprint, improve flood resilience measures, deliver collective industry-led solutions and change the legislative landscape where it can be justified. We split this session into two parts, firstly looking at the causes and prevention of flooding before moving into recovery. Firstly, causes and prevention of flooding. Andy, I'll start with this question. The impact of climate change is well known and discussed and data shows that there are changing weather patterns. This is causing an increase not just in storm frequency, but in duration and intensity. This has caused an increase in the risks and costs of flooding claims, but it's not just a matter of increased rainfall. So the question to this is, apart from climate change, what other factors do you think are contributing to the increase in frequency and cost of flooding claims? Thank you, Jonathan. Well, clearly climate change is a major driver and there is no doubt that climate change is actually happening and we're getting far heavier and more frequent storms. However, climate change is often used as an excuse for the flooding when there are other underlying reasons. The most common reason uh, other than climate change is urban development and in particular the paving over of front gardens, the development of conservatories, uh, putting large uh, patios in the, the rear of the house, connecting these up to the surface water drainage system. All these things actually add to the amount of stormwater going to the drainage system, far in excess of what was originally planned. It's a particular problem in older urban areas, say 1920s to 1950s areas, where it was never planned for large areas of the garden um, to be 
pay Dover. Another reason why we're seeing flooding, especially in the winter, is we're having a lot of storms, one after another, which are quite large storms, and the ground is becoming saturated. We then just need one more storm, and that is too much for the ground, and all the water runs off. So your fields and grassed areas become, in effect, a paved area, and there's nowhere for the water to go. We've certainly seen that in the winter months, in the January, February, March, over a number of years, in areas that haven't previously flooded. A further one is the adequacy of the drainage systems and the flood defences. Um, well, what is clear is that with the changing climate and the rainfall pattern, many of the existing flood defences and drainage systems are no longer adequate. Yes, the government is spending large amounts of money on tackling this and have to be commended for it. But there are still cases where the drainage system is not good enough for the current day climate and also for the amount of paved area runoff that goes into the systems. Um, cleaning of rivers is a further one. And we all know about this from, say, the Somerset levels a few years ago. But if rivers and also ditches around farms are not kept clear, it can cause problems. And I've seen a number of cases in recent years of rural properties being flooded because a ditch has not been kept clean and there's been a dispute as, as to who should keep which bit of the ditch clean. Thank you, Andy. And what, what do you think that landowners can do now? What should they be doing? And what can be done in both the short and long term to prevent or mitigate the risks of flooding? Okay, well, what the one thing landowners can do and should do is to make sure that drains on their property and close to their property are running freely and are working correctly. This does include things like the road gullies outside your property. So if you know there's a road gully close to your property that's not draining properly and hasn't been cleaned for a long time, don't take the view, it's not my problem, it's the council's problem. Because when there is a heavy storm, it will become your problem. So if you know there's something close to you that's not working properly, if you can't deal with it yourself, bring it to the attention of the local authority, the landowner of that particular whatever it is, whether it's a ditch or a stream or whatever, bring it to someone's attention um, to get it sorted out. Because if you don't, then come a heavy storm, it's too late. The flooding is occurring. Uh, homeowners, if they know that there is the potential for flooding, can make modifications. I've seen examples of people who've got a stream running through their garden and all they've had to do is to build up a, a bed to raise the level of that part of the garden so that if the stream floods or rises in level, it doesn't flow towards the house. I've seen other examples where in a, in a small cottage where uh, the flood water came off the, the minor road in front of the house. And all they had to do was just to alter the arrangement at the front of the house so that the flood water was channeled round the side of the house, not straight to the front door. Again, it's not a major thing. Yes, it cost a few hundred pounds, but it, that would have saved many, many thousand pounds of flooding. 
those are just two examples of the kind of things you can do to divert water around your house. Clearly, don't divert it into somebody else's house because that's not solving any problem. But if you can safely divert water around the side of your house onto the garden and onto grassland where it's not doing any harm, then that's one possibility. Again, if you actually are responsible for any ditches or streams bordering your property, then you are the riparian owner. It is your responsibility to keep that ditch and that stream clean. Okay, you may take the view, well, I only, I only own half of it, the other half on the other side's the other guy's problem. Well, yes it is, but if there's a storm and there's a high flow, that other guy's problem becomes your problem as well. So by talking to the other riparian owners and agreeing joint action, we'll save issues. So what, one area then is where the landowners could work more cohesively together. Do you think that's a particular problem with flooding claims? It is. And I've seen this sometimes with farmers, although farmers are generally aware of these issues because they've been dealing with it for many, many years. Um, you find it more often in urban areas where there is, and I've seen it on a number of occasions in urban areas, where there is a stream going through a number of people's gardens. Some people keep the stream clean, others don't bother. And there isn't the same feeling of it's we need to keep the stream clean because it can, can give all of us a problem. Uh, some people realise that, others just think, oh, well, it's a stream at the back of my garden, it's not my problem, it's somebody else's issue. Um, it must be the Environment Agency that deal with it. Well, no, if it's a small stream, it's likely to be your problem. So there's a lack of awareness in urban areas for landowners and uh, people who own gardens don't realise that it's actually their issue. So I don't think it's deliberate, but I think it's just that there's a lack of awareness of to what your responsibility is and what you should really be doing. And I think in some villages they have flooding wardens as well, connected to parish councils. Is that something you've come across? It is, and that's an excellent idea because it brings all the people together. And if everybody's pulling on the same piece of rope in the same direction, it makes life a lot easier. Um, and you do find in areas that have been subject to flooding, especially some villages, then yes, they have uh, the, this system of flood wardens. And it's an excellent idea. It should be extended to more places. But what I find is in many urban areas where there's, a, there's less of a sense of community because it's just a more anonymous urban area, you don't have these flood wardens and you don't have any, organ, any local organisation bringing it all together. And I've seen it in a number of towns and cities, sometimes you know, cities and towns, populations of half a million, sometimes 50 to 100,000. Uh, and it, it's a problem that I don't know whether it's the local authority that really needs to bring it together, local councillors, maybe the environment agency, in connection with the local authority, which is the local lead flood authority. Uh, it certainly would be an idea for more places to have flood wardens. Mm. And how, how can changes and developments in modern technology help support flood prevention? One of the best ways is actually that the UK has one of the best systems of monitoring river flows. 
uh, you can anybody can go onto the environment agency's system uh, and look at the local rivers in their areas and to see how high they are. And if you live close to a river that you know has been a problem in the past, then it is a jolly good idea when it's wet weather, especially in the winter, to actually go onto that system and see what is actually going on. And also to sign up to the Environment Agency's flood warning system. So the technology is out there. It's just that some people don't seem to realise it and don't use it. But yet, if you are subject to potential flooding, then yes, go on to the Environment Agency website and see what's available. Absolutely. And are there more different developments in construction techniques that can help improve preventative measures? Yes, there are. Things like floodgates. Uh, if you know that you're potentially going to get flooded maybe from the road or from a certain direction towards your house, you can have floodgates uh, built in that you erect in times of flood. You can have patio doors that are watertight. Okay, they're more expensive than your normal patio door, but it's possible. You can have air bricks built into the house which are at a higher level uh, than where the potential flood may get to. You can, on the ground floor, in the kitchen and hallway, it may be appropriate to actually have a tiled floor rather than a wooden floor because at least if it's a tiled floor, once the flood is passed, then the cleanup is relatively simple. Uh, also, if you've been flooded in the past and you are potentially likely to get flooded again, make sure all your electric sockets are well above the floor level. Um, and that will, will save having to redo the electrics. So there are a number of little things like this that in themselves are not impossible to do, but can save a lot of money and a lot of time. And the other thing I would say, if you have been flooded in the past or have almost been flooded, actually have a plan. Keep your valuables not on the ground floor, keep them high at upstairs, and also have a plan that if it is going to flood, then what are you going to do? Are you going? To, do you have room on the dining room table or a table or something to put all those things that will be affected? Can you lift your curtains up to a level where they won't get wet? Um, can you lift your furniture up to a level, put them, up, put it on wooden blocks or something? Um, not very difficult. It's not very difficult to think of these things. But if you have a plan before it actually occurs, then the chances are you may be successful in saving some of those things. But if you don't have a plan and start trying to do it when once it occurs, it's too late. Mm. Well, thank thank you for that, Andy. That's plenty of really good advice there for many landowners and homeowners alike. Well, that concludes part one of this podcast on flooding, causes, prevention and recovery. In the second part, I will continue my discussion with Andy Drinkwater on flooding and recovery. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our latest property lawcast. There'll be more episodes in the DAC Beechcroft lawcast series, so watch this space. If you require any further information, please don't hesitate to contact me on mhomes at dacbeechcroft.com or 0117 918 2072.